Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Arich Nord. On today's Women on the Line, we listen to a panel discussion between four amazing black women from both Indigenous and African backgrounds, talking through the prominence of new media in sharing their stories. We hear from moderator Sasha Sarago, who is also the founding editor of Ascension magazine. We also hear from the founding editor of Future Black blog, Linda Kennedy, creative producer of Sovereign Tracks, Hannah Donnelly, and co-founder of Still Nomad, Samira Farah. This panel was called New Media, Hashtags and Activism and was part of last year's West Riders Our Stories Forum, held at the Footscray Community Arts Centre. For more information on the West Riders group, please jump on footscrayarts.com forward slash west dash riders dash group or contact Alia at footscrayarts.com. The feature track for today's show is Memory Chambers by Lady Lash. Feel me swing like that old fig tree In the backyard, mama used to let us be Old coins buried near the back fence I am Sasha Sarago and I will be the moderator for this afternoon's discussion. But before I um, open up the discussion, I'd like to firstly acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we meet, the Wurundjeri and the Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to elders both past and present. I'd like to acknowledge any traditional owners or elders that we might have joining us here today. Is new media becoming the medium of choice for diverse and equal representation? In this panel discussion, we examine how new media has changed and influenced perceptions and self-representation for people of color in Australia. New media versus traditional media, what role do these platforms hold for the legacy of Australia's ethnic voices? To help bring this discussion to life, I introduce to you our panelists. First, we have Linda Kennedy. Linda is a Koori and Maltese woman from Darawal country, currently studying a Master of Architecture on Wurundjeri land. She is the founder and editor of Future Black Blog, which aims to decolonize design in Australia's built environment. Secondly, we have Hannah Donnelly. Hannah is a Wurundjeri writer from New South Wales. She is a creative producer of Sovereign Tracks, Indigenous music blog, and co-editor of Sovereign Apocalypse Sign. Hannah's personal work experiments with speculative climate fiction and future imaginings of Indigenous responses to climate change. And lastly, we have Samira Farah. Samira Farah is a writer, curator, producer, and broadcaster on FBI Radio in Sydney. She is the co-founder of Still Nomads, a black African creative collective based in Melbourne that curates the African-Australian experience. She is also the previous director of the African Film Festival. Please make our lovely ladies feel welcomed. So to start the conversation off, um, Linda, in your eyes, has new media influenced or changed how people of colour are represented in the Australian media? The short answer would be yes, Um, it has, but primarily it's more about having access to space 
for from from my perspective for Aboriginal people, um, and I speak from from that perspective. But to have independent voice without that's uncensored or having to feel like you've got to fit into another person or another, uh, I guess, media representational view of our people, be able to do it from ourselves for ourselves and that it's not just an expression but actually an action of self-determination. And I don't think that has just influenced the media space but also the wider communities and how um, everyday people can kind of view or see Aboriginal people. Mm. Yeah, I think it's definitely about that control um, that you have, particularly because it is uh, well, a lot of it is a self-publishing platform, so you are in control of your stories and your own representation. So it takes away the colonial gaze or the othering um, that happens when other people are telling your stories as well. Um, I think for me, social media and new media, I definitely agree with those two points, but it also I think it has connected me to other people of colour. Yeah, wow. yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's not just other people of colour in Australia, but also globally and being able to see yeah. how I can relate to you know, yeah. wide diasporas across the, across, um, yeah, across the globe. Yeah, there is a, a lot of international solidarity um, across new media as well, I guess. Yeah, and we can really stay kind of, I guess, switched on and tapped into other causes yeah. and other struggles that we connect with, we identify with, but we would never have been able to with just, let's say, print media or news or television, which doesn't often focus on people like us. Is there an example that you guys found in your creative works or on your own personal platforms where you've connected with other Indigenous or ethnic groups? Um, I definitely have when I first started, I guess, expressing or sharing blog work um, through Twitter was a space where like hashtagging just linked people immediately to different ideas. Um, and finding um, an Indigenous woman in Canada whose name, unfortunately, I can't remember, but who was working in a design space with activism. And one thing I found in Australia is that there are very few people linking, working within those two spaces um, where I sometimes have felt very alone or isolated um, within either the design world or within the black world. And that was an opportunity to see that somebody else has been doing it for 10 plus years and just like a bit of relief, I think, that you're not the only one. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a, had a really good experience with, um, while I was kind of still in the development of the Sovereign Tracks music blog, I mean, it kind of was something that just happened really naturally. It was something that I started for friends that grew into this thing because there was a need for it on the online space to have access to and listen to um, emerging Aboriginal artists. Um, and I had no idea, but um, there was a similar kind of setup in Canada, but it was an international space for Indigenous musicians. Um, and they got in contact with me after seeing stuff through um, SoundCloud and Twitter and Facebook. Um, and it's really good. They're called Revolutions Per Minute. So they're um, based, in, based on Turtle Island, but an international Indigenous site. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just started a partnership with me where they'll cross-post everything I post. So um, all of a sudden, the artists that were on my kind of smaller scale um, Indigenous music culture blog became kind of internationally um, shown yeah. to other Indigenous people and other people that were just following it out of interest as well. I guess my... Best example is the collective that I'm in, which is Till Nomads. Um, all the founders, we found each other through Twitter. We, um, we found each other through social media. We were just kind of following each other. I joined Twitter maybe about six, seven years ago. And at the time, um, there weren't a lot of other African Australians that I could follow. So every time I found one, it was kind of like a discovery, like, yes. 
(laughs) (laughs) And then we started to meet, obviously, as you do, you kind of, you know, you share similarities, you're like, hey, you're pretty cool, and we started to meet, and some of my best friends and some of my best relationships today have come off Twitter or off Facebook or even in some cases, Instagram. (laughs) And it's just that, I guess because... Australia is so big, you live in your own little world, sometimes it's very hard to connect and find people like yourself. Um, so Still Nomads was found on that reason, that we thought, hey, we all struggle to find each other, maybe if we start a collective, other people can find us as well. And right now, we've still remained largely online, so our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and people tend to still find us through there, through the photos that we post, or the statuses that we make, and it's kind of grown into a much larger collective, so there's around 30 members now, um, so yeah, social media has definitely allowed, I guess, people like myself who wouldn't have found each other to find each other. Mm, it's so true that you like go, yes, there's somebody else. Yeah. Like I have that moment often. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, do you, you have Twitter Do you message friends? your friends? Like yeah. saying, I found another yeah, one yeah, of yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> and um, especially when you're going somewhere as well, like if, if you've had a Twitter friendship with someone, like it's really cool to, you know, you, you then meet someone in real life. It's like Twitter is different. You kind of really get to know someone on Twitter as opposed to like, I don't know, maybe Facebook is a little bit different, but you you know you're aligned to what that person is about on Twitter. So having said that, do you feel that new media is the medium for um, people of colour? Yes. 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 (laughs) 100% yes. And you were talking about the different um, platforms, so Twitter opposed to Facebook. Is there a certain um, platform that you feel more powerful in or, I guess, more connected? Um, I feel that Twitter seems to be like um, the quick conversation. Do you find that? I don't use Twitter a lot, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, I use blogging as a platform for a few reasons. One is that I'm, I'm... one of the reasons I'm not comfortable using Twitter is because I, I think a lot before I post, like I would draft every Facebook message even before I post on Facebook and I'm not quick enough to just like keep the banter up. Um, I like to blog because I like to write and draft and get whatever it is, the ideas that I'm putting into a, a format that I'm kind of almost think is not quite perfect, but at least my ideas are succinct and understandable before posting. So it's very different to, I guess, what some of the work that um, – your women here are doing or working on but it's for me I find it as like the kind of the other spaces at the moment within Australia or even internationally to share innovation in ideas is through like academia and it's within Australia the institutions of academic learning are not either safe or respectful spaces for Aboriginal people so to be able to take um, another platform of blogging and writing where I can put those ideas together and put it out without having to have it approved by an institution or tying myself to an institution, which majority of the work they do is to the detriment of Aboriginal people. So it's really uncomfortable to work in those spaces. Like I'm, I much prefer having a space that's just this is mine and it can still be new ideas, um, but it doesn't have to be tied down to a white organisation. Mm-hmm. Hannah, do you have a medium of choice that works really well for you? Uh, I definitely, I think I go, I have a, a thing with Twitter where it's kind of, I kind of go in, in kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. I'm using it a lot and then I might get a little bit overwhelmed with some of the things that are on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, which are a bit negative and then I kind of retreat and then go back. Because I do think it's really empowering, like, um, 
talking about um, the fast responses you can get to things and, and meeting people and having collective responses, particularly things like Indigenous X as a hash, mm. hashtag um, that brings a lot of um, Indigenous experiences and knowledges in this country um, to a really big audience now um, is a really powerful thing. But in terms of a medium of choice, like I do um, use... Um, for one of my projects is, is SoundCloud and that's a very different thing altogether. But um, it's about having access to music and well, artists getting other people to have access to their music if they're not getting players on radio or if they're not a widely recognised artist. Um, yeah, so I think I'm constantly on SoundCloud and there's particular tricks and ways you get um, to use SoundCloud that make it a lot easier as well. Um, and for you to search for Indigenous artists or things like that, you still use hashtags, you still use um, different things that we, you would use across other social media um, platforms. Um, I'm exactly like Hannah. I kind of go in and out of Twitter, and sometimes, like you said, it does get overwhelming. And then also, it gets a bit intimidating when there is something that means quite a lot to you because you're always worried about, is this going to open me up to a bunch of trolls in my mention, a bunch of attacks, particularly when it has to do with an issue or a cause or a struggle. So, you know, I am on private um, mainly because I don't want random people just in my mentions attacking me. Yeah. And then I also like Facebook, but it's the same thing. Then I can't stop myself from reading the comments. I have a, I just, oh, I can't stop read reading it. I've, I have stopped myself from responding. Um, but right now, when I'm, cause I, I have started doing radio for the past year. I'm really into podcasts and kind of, mm -hmm. I feel like that's a new direction that I'm really quite interested in. I am too much of a procrastinator to blog. I just do not have the attention span. So radio, for me, I love to talk. It's, it's quite good. So yeah, podcast is something that I'm looking into. Yeah. I'd jump on that. I, I really agree with podcast being the, the new way forward. Mm. Um, I see it as well from a perspective of Aboriginal Australia, where radio is one of the first media forms to give access to information to communities right across Australia. So from like from our community perspectives, we're quite used to listening to radio when I don't know that it's been such a strong thing within broader white Australia. Um, but podcasts are just an amazing opportunity where you don't have to you don't have to be on air at a certain time. You can pre-record things and share ideas really quickly. Um, and a lot of the times, I'll access a lot of the podcasts that I listen to. It's a lot cheaper these days too. Mm -hmm. You don't need a lot. You can use SoundCloud mm -hmm. to yeah. post up. So yeah, yeah and mm -hmm. like you can record from your phone. And yeah, I yeah. think it is definitely a, a way forward. So it sounds like a balance of traditional and new media mm. being used for different um, forums. Um, so can you recall a social media campaign aimed at the advancement of people of colour that was successful in your eyes? I'm jump onto what Hannah said about Indigenous X. Like Indigenous X has been enormous in Australia. Um, and yeah. Luke, Luke yeah, Pearson. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Pearson rocks like yeah. he's he's a really cool guy and he's Shouts. got the the energy and um the time and should we explain what indigenous sex is or does everyone know what indigenous sex is this way yeah, yeah. cool <laughs> um so indigenous x um it's short for indigenous excellence um it's about reframing the way that people talk about indigenous people and talking about our positive stories and our stories of excellence um, and so the idea is that there's this main Twitter account called Indigenous X, but there's a guest um, tweeter every week. So it'll be a different um, um, person every week from different mobs, different stories, different experiences, just talking about their life and how awesome they are. Yeah. yeah. And they've also um, 
recently connected up with which, Canada. Oh, which newspaper? Oh, the Guardian. Oh, that's the it. Guardian. Yeah. There we go. The Guardian, um, publishing out of Sydney, to um, whoever their weekly um, guest is, will mm. also write. It started off being more of a thorough article, but now it's like with a, I guess, a Q and A kind of a thing, yeah. and it's turned into more of a, like a co-written or co-published um, um, expose, I guess, mm. of whoever's writing, which is awesome to linking up with um, old media, I guess, that spreads to a completely different audience. But um, Indigenous X has hit off, and as Hannah was just about to mention, it's kicked over to um, Indigenous X CA for Canada. Canada. I think one of the really cool things about how um, Luke has kind of led Indigenous X is that he doesn't um, censor what other Aboriginal people are thinking or doing. Like, even if someone else has very different political views, it's more about sharing that there are diversity amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people than controlling what perspectives or perceptions actually go out there. I think that's really interesting. I follow Indigenous X, and um, I think one of the panellists on the earlier... Um, talk was talking about, you know, you never hear from middle-class Indigenous people, etc. And I think Indigenous X is it's that. It's that whole wide-ranging views of um, Indigenous Australian. As a non-Indigenous Australian, I feel like that is something that I don't get enough of. I don't see mm. enough of. I don't hear enough of. Mm. So that something like Indigenous X doesn't make it like, oh, this is niche, but this is, this is norm. This, this is it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't hate the word normalising. It's, it's making it, this is it. You should follow it. Yeah. That's it. You know, make this part of you because you are Australian, we're all Australian, yeah. and you need to know what you know, First Nations people are like, what they're thinking, and yeah. what they represent. Mm. I think everyone should follow it. I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. every Australian should be following Indigenous X. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the hashtags that were um, really in the forefront in Australia was you know, hashtag SOS Black Australia, hashtag I stand with Adam, um, hashtag I'll ride with you. Um, what do you think um, that has done for Australians in, in bringing these issues um, to the forefront? Jumping on the first one, the SOS Black Australia, I, it's the first time, at least in my lifetime, that a movement through however many characters that is, has been able to be shared so quickly and with meaning attached to a hashtag across what doesn't matter whether you're black or white or whatever. Like it's within one word to encapsulate that this is a real issue and we're calling on um or particular communities in WA are calling on the help of everybody um for one action. Um I think that it's something that can actually change the way that people see Indigenous issues as um, looking at it not as the other. I, feel, I don't know how. I feel like so many of my white friends got on board with like SOS Black Australia than for any other issue that's come up in my lifetime. And it's not to say that that's the worst issue that's faced Aboriginal people. I think there are so many issues that um, all things that the government have done that are, are really wrong, um, not just on that such a big scale, but right across a whole range of mm -hmm. communities. But sometimes when you post stuff, and I feel like as a black fellow, like, it seems like every second post is some rant about something that the government's doing that's really fucked up. Um, but with SOS Black Australia, somehow it actually grew to such a wider audience of people yeah. who are really passionate about the issue, and that's still continuing. I th yeah, I think it's definitely, uh, like you said, it's really interesting to see how that got so big on social media so quick and why. Um, 
And it was because of new media and it was like a particular set of things that happened over new media, like responses to the really um, ignorant comment of lifestyle choices um, that the then Prime Minister said. Um, and it kind of just, it's like new media allows it to like kind of snowball, I guess, in a way, um, so that there is hype, there is attention. Um, and um, SOS Black Australia was there at the right moment with the right things to get people on board. Mm. I'm trying to think of how to articulate this properly. Um, like, I'll take, for example, I'll write with you, or I stand with Adam. Mm. I find a lot of times these hashtags, they're more, they're not about the cause or the struggle or the people, but it's about everyone else being able to act like they're part of the cause. Mm. But then when the hashtag is over, whoever is struggling or suffering is still left in that position. So, for yeah. example, I write with you, it was more about non-Muslims being able to, I don't know, kind of pat themselves on the back for yeah. doing the right thing, you know. And I'm Muslim, I'm not visibly Muslim. My, my mom is, my sister is. It's kind of like, well, this doesn't help me or them when if they do get attacked on a train, you know. This, so sometimes yeah, I, I'm, I'm more interested in hashtags or social media campaigns on how they affect or drive the people in that group. So, for example, uh, SOS, how that helps indigenous activists kind of organize yep. and find each other. Um, black Lives Matter, how black young people find each other and organize. Yep. Um, that kind of stuff. I'm not so much interested in the other. Because yep. the other just kind of the other kind jumps of in. It and yeah, yeah. What, what, what happened when it became All Lives Matter instead yes. of... Yeah. So yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it is yeah. definitely about your control in that space and um, what the collective is doing that, with that. Other people jumping on board, great, but what are their impact really? Mm. Yeah. Do you feel that the hashtag can be like an entry point or yes. often maybe can be token at times? I think it really depends on who's driving the hashtag. Mm. I think who's driving the hashtag, who hijacks the hashtag or the campaign all impacts on how it creates good outcomes or no outcomes. Mm. Mm. Has, has there been any examples of a hashtag that's worked really well, like with longevity, instead of just being like the entry point to a discussion and then people use it for a certain amount of time and they jump back off and life goes on as usual? I think Black Lives Matter is still going. You know, mm -hmm. a year after it started, it's still going. It's moved into other areas. You know, it's still about, you know, police and brutality, but it also about other issues that affect um, young black people, including, you know, um, lower education, the school to prison pipeline, people are using it for all kinds of causes. It's, you know, it's gone into trans Black Lives Matter. So I think it's still going. Um, what do you guys think? I think what's really valuable about the Black Lives Matter is that initially, even that it was talking about like the actual embodiment of a life, but that it extends to so many other, like the language or the choice of words in a hashtag results in whether it can be continued or um, like what will, after, so for example, the difference between the SOS Black Australia, like once, Let's just say, in best case scenario, that for whatever reason the government changes their mind and doesn't close the Aboriginal communities in WA, then it's a hashtag that we'll probably stop using and this is a good news story. Whereas with Black Lives Matter, it was accessible for a whole range of, of issues. I don't know that I've seen it in any other... Apart from Indigenous eggs that we've talked about. Yeah, that's true. Thinking about the progression of diverse narratives and self-representation in Australian media, can you share an example, a model or a solution that promotes the legacies or ethnic voices in this country? Um, I think you say self-representation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that really um, straight away 
um, made me think about, um, I don't really want to say his name, it's kind of like Voldemort, like he who must not be named, but Andrew Bolt, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, responses to Andrew Bolt, um, one of my favourite ones that was a hashtag um, a while ago was when Bolt was talking about, you know, the authentic Aboriginal um, Aborigine um, versus the the, like, not authentic, whatever that is. Um, and the brilliant hashtag that was, I tried to be authentic, but, and then it was just everybody's responses. Um, and it was really at the same time um, being humorous and heartwarming, but um, yeah, it was a really good way of self-representing um, our identities in the diversity, like you were talking about before, um, of who we really are. We feel that it needs to be more advocacy with traditional media and those gatekeepers to get us uh, in the mainstream narrative. Advocacy towards an institution that is so inherently colonial, um, it, it's just, um, I guess, you would be defeated continuing to come up against their kind of like cognitive dissonance of like why there needs to be um, different voices. And it knocks you down. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really do think that new media is more personally my platform and traditional media until, I mean, how, how do you decolonize traditional media? Mm -hmm. That's a really long process. Um, and it would be great, but um, that's not, the onus for that should not be on us. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the future holds for traditional media and the representation of people of colour in Australia now that we talk a lot about new media um, and sometimes new media might not have longevity? You know, what does traditional media hold now for us as people of colour? I personally feel like there's still a place for old media, but the, the, the challenger is not necessarily the media form, but who's controlling it. And like, how awesome would it be if we had a black-controlled newspaper or... TV channel or something that wasn't then controlled by, say, SBS or NITV or, you know, the, when National Indigenous Time was sitting under another newspaper when that was still in publication. But having things that are actually controlled, run and like and operated by Aboriginal, well, whatever um, group of people of colour that it is, that um, it's more about control than necessarily the form of what that media is. If you want to check out any of the work the Footscray Community Arts Centre, Sasha, Linda, Hannah and Samira do, please check out our program page for links and other things. You can like Footscray Community Arts Centre, Ascension Magazine, Future Black, Sovereign Tracks and Still Nomads on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram too. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenontheline at hotmail.com. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au slash womenontheline. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. And the feature song for today's episode is called Memory Chambers by the wonderful Lady Lash. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I'm original and I hope you can tune in again next time. Too much trouble, can't make it go away. A little curly head girl, big brown eyes, looking at the dust, it's a silly spot.
Down near the sea, so trees steaming. So loud the whole neighborhood is screeching. The summer heat sets us in the rise. Back in 85, this was my life. No books, just trees, I'm living free. Down near the water where mama used to let us be. Red jelly, skies kiss blues, echo birds, soap dreams cover my.